And while I'm doing this, take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans. There we go. Can y'all hear me okay? Okay, good. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. Now, I I do get the opportunity to share with you today about uh, Bethlehem Christian Academy, but I know that you're a church that loves to study God's Word, and so we're going to do that today as well. And so I want to look at a few uh, verses from Romans, and while you're turning there, let me just say thank you for... uh, to Pastor Mike and to, to you for allowing me to be here today and to share with you about Bethlehem Christian Academy. As I said, I have been the pastor of First Baptist Church in Ironton for almost the past six years, but I just uh, resigned there at the end of July in order to take this position with Bethlehem Christian Academy. Um, we've been associated with Bethlehem Christian Academy for probably close to four or five years, so it wasn't a, a total change for us, but it was a change in the sense of what I'll be doing in the ministry that we'll be doing uh, now with Bethlehem Christian Academy. So with that, uh, again, let me me direct you to Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. See if I can press down here. Is this working? Okay. Uh Uh-oh, Mike. Do I need to turn this on? Okay. There we go. Okay, so it's on the screen as well, but just a brief context. So this is kind of the introduction to Romans. Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's kind of introducing himself. He's he's expressing also his desire to be with them, to share uh, with them more. And so he says in verses 14 through 16, Paul writing to the church at Rome, he says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Would you bow your heads with me again in prayer? Our Father God, we just come before you this day and we thank you for the gospel We thank you for what we have been able to sing about today of your love for us, God, and your your son, Jesus, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us by giving his life for us on the cross and the hope of salvation, the hope of forgiveness that we have through you, Jesus. We thank you for that. We pray now that as we look to your word, as we think about this ministry of Bethlehem Christian Academy, that you would guide our time, Lord. And we ask, too, that you would receive all the glory. Lord, I pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as I start, I want to tell you a story about a boy named Victor. Victor was born in Zambia, Africa, into what we could really only describe as poverty. He lived out in the bush community of Africa, and really to have a meal every day, Victor would have to climb a tree in hopes of finding just a a single piece of fruit that he would have for that day, likely his only meal for the day. Victor never saw running water or what he would call an electrified house until he was 14 years old. And if we were to just look at Victor's life from the outside, we wouldn't think that he would have much hope of of really amounting to much just from, from the outward appearance. But God had a plan for Victor. God blessed Victor with a very sharp mind. He's very intelligent. 
Victor was able to gain an education. Victor was able to, to be one of very few select group from Zambia who was able to come over to the United States to receive a college education. Victor would go on to receive a degree in economics from Wichita State University in Kansas. Victor did very well there. He graduated, he moved back to Zambia where he began a successful career in banking there in Zambia. But it was during this time in Victor's life that something changed. You see, during this time, as Victor was having a very successful career in banking, God changed his life. He was saved, and then he was later called into the ministry. As the story goes, Victor was then able to move back to the United States. He attended seminary at Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City, got his, his degree in, in, through the seminary, with his desire of then moving back to Zambia in order to start churches in the same impoverished areas in which he had grown up. So this Victor that I'm telling you about, his name is Victor Chibangula, and he is a church planner in Zambia who has now planted 11 different churches in Zambia. This Victor Chibangula is also the BCA lead administrator over there in Zambia, one of the co-founders of Bethlehem Christian Academy there in Zambia. You see, while Victor was in seminary, he met another man by the name of Martin Winslow. Uh, just a minute ago, Mark, Mike shared about Martin, and Martin and Victor met in seminary class. They met in a Hebrew class as they were studying together. They became friends, and Martin committed to Victor to, to pray for Victor in his desire of going back to Zambia and planting churches for the impoverished areas in which he grew up. One day, just after seminary, Martin was praying, and, and he had kind of lost contact with Victor. But the Lord started to put on Martin a desire to want to help the poor and the impoverished children, especially in Africa. And so he got the contact information of Victor from the seminary that they attended, and he emailed Victor, here's Martin there pictured, and, and Victor told Martin, even as they had begun emailing, that Victor had been praying for two years that God would open up partners for them in the United States to help support the work of, uh, of his church planning work there in Africa. And so through much prayer, the Lord led both Victor and Martin to an impoverished area just outside of a city in Zambia called Indola. And the area where they first started and began to pray was this area called George. And in this area called George was where Bethlehem Christian Academy was born. Bethlehem Christian Academy started in 2011 with just 31 students, but since then it has grown to two campuses in Zambia, and right now, there's almost 300 students between the two schools. I want to share with you the, the vision of Bethlehem Christian Academy as it started. And I'll just read it here. But it says, our vision is to provide hope for orphans and impoverished children through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that's it. That last statement is, is it, that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to give hope to these areas that Victor has planted these churches and where these two schools have been started. You may wonder why, why, the, why the name Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem in the Hebrew meaning means house of bread. It's a Hebrew word that means house of bread. And so our desire 
is to give bread, both a physical bread, through helping these impoverished children in these impoverished areas, giving them food to eat and helping them with their physical needs, but then also giving them a spiritual bread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, that's our hope, that's our desire, that's our vision, is to give hope to these kids in the power of the gospel, through the gospel. We hope that there'll be many more victors who will come out of our ministry uh, to plant more churches, to see others come to know Christ as Savior. We want to give these children the ability to have an education so that they can further themselves and to be transformed in the power of the gospel. That's really our goal, is to see lives transformed in the power of the gospel. So how do we do this? Well, the primary way that Bethlehem Christian Academy does this, we, we meet our vision of giving hope, is through a Christian education through child sponsorships. And so I'll be sharing about it a little bit today, but we have a, a child sponsorship program where an individual or a family or a church can sponsor a child to come to one of our schools in Zambia. And so when that child is sponsored, they receive a Christian education, a distinctly Christian education. They receive a hot, nutritious meal every day, which is likely their only meal for that day. And most importantly, they have an opportunity to hear and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ on a regular basis. But also a part of what we do at, at BCA is through this, we really see it as a church planning strategy. Because at, two of our, at both of our locations for our school, we've planted a church uh, so that these kids who are coming to faith in these communities, as more people are coming to faith and trusting in Christ as Savior, we see them become a part of a healthy church. But then thirdly, we also seek to mobilize people on mission. And so just this last summer, we brought over close to 50 individuals through our church partners here in the United States on short-term missions. I'll be sharing a video uh, here in a, uh, at, at the end of my message of one of those trips. And so that's how we do it. That's what we do through Christian education, through church planning partners, and through missions mobilization. We seek to give hope, again, to these impoverished children and orphans in the power of the gospel. And so with that introduction, I, I share that because it illustrates what we believe. The life of Victor, the, the story of the, the start of Bethlehem Christian Academy, it's about seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. We unashamedly believe that the, the gospel is the power of God to save people and transform lives. And so even as we look to Romans now, what I want to do is just see three different principles from the life of Paul that also guide us as a ministry as well at Bethlehem Christian Academy. And so if you look again at your Bible, the first thing I want us to see is this. The first principle that we see from the life of Paul is that at BCA, we are eager to share the gospel. We are eager to share the gospel. Look again at verses 14 and 15 there. Paul writes... I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Now notice there in verse 14, Paul says he is under obligation. Another way to translate that word there is the word debt. And in fact, if you have the King James Version, Paul says, I am a debtor to them. Now why do you think Paul would say to this group, this church that he had never been there in person, why would he say that he is under obligation to them, that he is under debt to them? Let's think a minute about how you can think about owing someone something. So 
One way to think about it is if you, let's say you borrow $100 from a friend. And so if you borrow $100, then you owe that person, you're obligated to that person for $100, right? Well, in this case, that couldn't be it because Paul had not borrowed anything from this church at Rome. So he didn't owe them anything in that sense. But I think there's another way to think about this obligation that Paul feels. Let's imagine here for a moment that you and I have a, have a mutual friend. And our mutual friend knew that I was coming and speaking to you today. And so this mutual friend of ours, he owed you $100. But let's say he gave me that $100. And he said, would you please pay them back today? Now, I wouldn't actually owe you the $100, right? But a friend had given me that $100. And so I was indebted to you until I gave you the $100. Now, I think that's the sense of what Paul means when he says, I am obligated, I am a debtor to you. Why? Because he has been given the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he is indebted to this church to get it, to give it to them. And I want you to understand, that's the way we feel at BCA. We feel an obligation. We are eager to share the gospel to the ends of the earth, to these impoverished children, to the orphans who need the gospel. I think we see this too in the life of Paul, that he had a heart for reaching the poor. You may remember in the book of Galatians, Paul says in verse, chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes, they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. You know, at BCA, we believe that genuine preaching of the gospel must be accompanied with meeting the physical needs of those in need. You know, when, when BCA first started in Zambia, hear me, many of the kids had never heard, most of the kids had never heard the name Jesus. And they certainly didn't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. When BCA first started, many of these kids had the, the distended bellies that you sometimes see because of lack of nutrition. They didn't have a, a well-rounded diet. Basically, all they ate was, was a corn-type substance. So they were malnutrished. Their, their hair would literally break because of malnutrition. They lacked bread. And again, Bethlehem's goal and mission is to give bread, both the physical bread and the spiritual bread of the gospel. At BCA, we are eager to help the whole person, body and soul, with the transforming power of the gospel. You know, we believe that the Great Commission, you know the Great Commission to go and to make disciples of all nations? We believe that goes hand in hand with the Great Commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so those go together, and that's our heart. We are eager to see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth, all the way to Zambia, Africa. That's the first principle I want you to see from the life of Paul. But then secondly, I want you to see that we are also unashamed of the gospel. We are unashamed of the gospel. Look again at verse 16. Notice what Paul says there in verse 16. He says, for, so he's eager, he says, for I am I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul is obligated, he's so eager to share the gospel because he is unashamed of the gospel. Now, why would Paul say that, that he is unashamed of the gospel? Well, I think he understood the real temptation and the temptation that we face as well 
to be ashamed of the gospel or to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus warned his disciples to not be ashamed of him. So there's, I think, a real tendency for us, even as Christians, to be ashamed of the gospel. Another way to think about it is this word ashamed also carries with it the idea of an offense. You know, in, in, in today's culture especially, people can be easily offended by the gospel. You think about what, what makes the gospel so offensive. One author I read shares a few examples of why the gospel of Jesus Christ is so offensive to people. He says that the gospel is offensive, number one, because it is free and undeserved. That's offensive to, to people who think that they are good enough to earn salvation on their own, isn't it? The gospel is free and undeserved. The gospel is offensive to people because it tells us that Jesus had to die for us. You know, the truth is that we are so sinful that we deserve to, to die. The scriptures say in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And the gospel says, though, that because of God's love for us, Jesus died for our place, in our place on the cross, as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And you know what? That offends people today, doesn't it? The, the blood of Christ offends people, that he had to shed his own blood on the cross for our sins as offensive to people. The gospel is also offensive because it tells us that we must follow Jesus' example of service and of suffering. Many people in our world today, people who call themselves Christians, want an easy life. They don't want to serve others. They don't want to sacrifice for others. But when we look at the example of Jesus, what does he say? He says, take up your cross and follow me. The gospel is offensive to people because people want an easy life. When in fact, being a Christian means following Jesus wherever he tells us to go and serving him and sacrificing in that way. The gospel is a call to come and die to follow Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know that BCA, we are, we are unashamed of the gospel. There's a number of organizations today that, that start out with a Christian focus, but over time they, they lose that focus on Christ and the gospel. And in many ways they become ashamed by the gospel. There's a book called uh, Mission Drift, which is written by uh, the authors are, are the founders of an organization called Hope International. And in this book, Mission Drift, they, they share about how uh, stories about how organizations like the YMCA, which if you know is now just the Y, lose their focus from focusing on Christ and they, they just essentially become a, a secular organization. And in this book, they share the story about how early on in their organization of Hope International, they were faced with a decision. They were an organization that was about Christ and the gospel, but early on, they, they became in contact with a business that wanted to give them an awful lot of money. Now, this organization was very young at the time. They needed that funds, and if, if they were to have taken that funds, it would have allowed them to do everything that they could have wanted to do. But there was one catch. The business asked them to kind of tone down a little bit all the talk about Jesus. Now, the, the writers of this book, they, they, they say that they, for a while, they, they wrestled with it. Again, if, if they would have taken this money, it would have allowed them to do everything that they wanted to do in their ministry. But they would have had to have compromised their mission. They would have had to have toned down what they would say about Jesus. 
Now, by God's grace, this, this organization, Hope International, originally, eventually they came back to the company that wanted to give them money, and they said, no, we're not going to take it because we can't tone down Jesus. And they chose not to be ashamed of Christ. And, and God willing, by his grace, that will always be the case with Bethlehem Christian Academy. Now, I want you to know something. Bethlehem Christian Academy, we don't have to exist. That, that may sound funny as, as the executive director of this ministry to say that we don't have to exist, but we don't. There's many other organizations that seek to, to help and to spread the gospel, but as we do, our mission, our vision will always seek to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see lives transformed in the power of the gospel. We are unashamed of the gospel, and by God's grace, that will always be the case. And I want you to know, if you love Jesus... If you love the gospel, maybe the Lord could lead you to, to help support us in some way and to be a part of it. There's one more principle that I want to share from you about the life of Paul we see here. And it's thirdly that we believe in the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the gospel. You know, Paul is so eager to preach the gospel because he knows that it is the power of God for salvation. The good news that Jesus died on the cross but then rose again on the third day is the power of God to change people's lives. Pastor and author Timothy Keller says that the gospel message is the power of God in verbal form. The power of God in verbal form. What is it the powerful for? Verse 16 says, For salvation to everyone who believes. What does the gospel do? It saves people. It transforms people like Victor Chibangula into changing the course of his life from being a successful businessman and banker to now being a pastor and church planner and administrator for Bethlehem Christian Academy. Paul says to the Jew first and to the Greek, notice how expansive it is. Hear me, the gospel is for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for people in the United States, in Ironton, Missouri, in Pilot Knob, Missouri, and the gospel is for children and for orphans and for people living in Zambia, Africa. But then notice it's limited too. It's for everyone who? Who believes? Who believes? That's speaking about faith. See, the only way to receive the power of the gospel is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Put your trust in Christ and then there's power in it to be changed, to be transformed. We believe in that transforming power at BCA. You know, the first time I was able to go to Zambia was in 2016. At that time, I was still the, the pastor at First Baptist in Ironton, and we had, as a church, we had become associated with BCA probably a couple years earlier. We had started to sponsor some children on our own as a family and as a church, and so Martin Winslow invited me to, to go and to be a part of, of one of their mission trips that summer in 2016. Now, it was just somewhat coincidentally, but ultimately under God's sovereign plan, that during that uh, summer, for part of our vacation Bible school, we decided to, to raise money for, in order to sponsor a child through our vac vacation Bible school. And we were given a name of a boy named Victor, uh, excuse me, not Victor, but Julius Sincala. Julius Sincala. And as I was able to go on that trip, on the first full day there in Zambia, I was able to meet this little boy. 
There you see him uh, pictured there, named Julius Sincala. Now, Julius is one of the older boys in uh, our south campus there in Zambia. In fact, we really don't know how old he is. Today, he might be as old as 16 or 17, but because of his lack of education, he's just in the seventh grade uh, right now. And so our first, first day in, in, in Zambia, I was able to meet Julius and share with him how our church was sponsoring him to be able to part of BCA. He was a little shy at first. You'll notice there that picture with me. He, he's not really smiling, but before long, you see that picture there in the middle. He, he had the biggest smile, and he was filled with joy. And so it was by God's grace on this trip, uh, we had another man from, from the church and some others who were ministering to the kids especially, and they were sharing the gospel. And by God's grace, something incredible happened on this trip. Now let me share this, back up and share this too. To this point, at BCA, there had been no conversions. There had been no salvations. Now that may sound odd to you, but there had been several years in Zambia preaching the gospel through the schools, through our church planning partners there, but there had been no conversions. It had just been the steady, uh, so to speak, of sowing of the gospel. Now remember, many of these kids had never heard the name Jesus. They didn't know the gospel. But on this trip, several years after BCA was planted, we began to see the first salvations in the school. And Julius was one of those boys who prayed to receive Christ on that trip. And so I was able to be a part of his baptism there. You see the the picture there where we were able to baptize a part of George Baptist Church there in Zambia. And I want you to know that I've been praying for Julius ever since that, that day. Again, he's one of the older kids in the, in the school, and so I've been praying that he would become a leader in, in, in the school, that he would become a leader in the community. That, that they face some great challenges. Uh, you know, the, the, the religions there in the, in the community, it's a tribal religion. There's a lot of witch doctors. There's a lot of things that they're confronting with. And so they can be very easily challenged in their faith. So I'm praying that God would protect Julius and that he would make him a leader in the school. And I want to share with you something amazing that just happened a few months ago in July of this year. I wasn't able to be a part of that trip, this trip, but there was a trip that went in July. And part of what they wanted to do through the short-term trip is to help come alongside some of these kids who had prayed to receive Christ, some of the older kids, and to teach them how to share the gospel. Had to, had to share their faith with their other friends and others in the community. And by God's grace, Julius was one of those kids who was able to, to be trained in how to share his faith. And you see that picture right there. That was just in July, and that's Julius there sharing his faith with boys in the community. Again, I wasn't there on that trip, but I've been told that he boldly went out and started gathering dozens and dozens of kids around him and sharing the good news of the gospel. And on that day, on this day, when these kids who had been transformed themselves in the power of the gospel started to go out and share the gospel with their friends, there was over 80 professions of faith that day. Now, we're still following up with these kids. Many of these are kids, and they, they need understanding, they need education. But, but remember, just a couple of years ago was the first conversion that there had ever been through this ministry. So it's not like we're, we're running in there and seeing all these things. This is the slow but the transforming power of the gospel to change people's lives. This community has gone from a group of kids that didn't know who Jesus was to now boldly sharing with others about Christ. This is a group of kids who have gone from malnutrition with the extended bellies, with the hairs breaking, to now receiving a, a nutritious meal every day. 
being given the food that they need just to, to grow and to be healthy. This is a group of kids who have had no education, really no hope for a better life, just looking from the outside in, who are now being educated. And hear me, while feeding and educating the poor here in Zambia is, is a crucial part of our ministry, the reason that BCA exists is for kids like Julius, for them to be transformed in the power of the gospel, to see these kids come to know Christ as Savior and to be, then be part of a healthy church there through our church planning partner. I want you to know, again, that I pray for Julius. I pray that one day, several years from now, it won't be me sharing with you about BCA, but it'll be kids like Julius who we bring over to share about what God has done in their lives, to share about how God has transformed their lives in the power of the gospel. And these things is why we are so dedicated to the gospel. We are eager to share it. We're unashamed of the gospel because we believe it is the power of God for salvation. We want to give these kids bread, physical and spiritual bread. Before I close, I want you to know that, that all of this is possible only through the church. The church is the engine for, for seeing this work done in Africa. And we, we partner with churches, with local churches, with individuals, for families to see this work done in Africa. BCA is in an exciting time right now. By January of 2019, Lord willing, we'll have close to 350 students in Zambia. We'll be opening our first upper school campus, which is the 8th grade and up, uh, in January as well, Lord willing. And by God's grace, we're also looking to open up a third location um, in a restricted access area of Northwest Africa. Um, this is a restricted access area in Northwest Africa. It's, it's an area that's predominantly Muslim. Publicly, we won't be saying the country that it's in just because of the protection of, of the missionaries who are there. Um, and so God is opening up this opportunity. This, this area where we'll be starting the school has the third lowest literacy rate in the whole world at only 28.7%. But through a partnership with a missionary who's been there for about a decade, we're, we're opening up this third location, and Lord willing, starting 20 kids in January at that school. But I want you to know, with all this excitement and all these things going on, it, there's a great challenge before us. We need many, many more sponsors to help send these kids to these schools. We have great infrastructure needs. Part of what we started in August was, was what, a new building for the upper school there at our south campus in Zambia. Again, this will ha house the eighth grade and up uh, as we grow there. We started that school, but we still need some funds to, to be able to fully fund this building. But with these challenges, I want you to know I, I trust in the Lord. A, a few weeks ago, I was reading in Psalm 24, and I came to verse 1. It says, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. You know, God owns the whole world. He owns everything, and so he can provide for his work according to his means. I want to share with you how you can, you can be involved with this, too. Um, again, one of the, our greatest needs, one of the ways that most people are, are involved with Bethlehem Christian Academy is through our sponsorship program. And so we do it in a couple ways. A child can be fully sponsored at, at $72 a month, but we also have what we consider a half sponsorship at $36 a month. 
And again, that sponsorship of a child, a $36 a month child, a month gets that child into our school, gets them the Christian education, gets them that daily nutritious meal every day, which again is likely their only meal that day, and it gets them where they're hearing the gospel on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we, one of the persons who, who sponsors a child shared with, with our team one day how, that, how they realized it just took them a very simple sacrifice in order to be able to sponsor a child. Part of their routine every day as they went to work and, and went about their days, they got a, a sweet tea at McDonald's in the morning and then one in the evening on their way back. Now, you, if you know, have been to McDonald's, you know how much a drink costs. It costs about a dollar, right? And so they realized that if they just got rid of one of those drinks a day, they would basically have enough money to do a half sponsorship of a child. Now, that's a very simple thing, but what could God be asking you to, to sacrifice to, to sponsor a child? One verse that we use often is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14, that says, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. And, and I, I don't want to assume that I understand where you are with your finance or anything like that, but God has, has blessed us so much in America with so many things, and so maybe the Lord's leading you to, to sponsor a child. And so... Here's a few of the kids that need sponsored right now. I'll, I, here in a moment, I'm going to close with showing a video, but here's some kids that need sponsored. We'll have a, a table back there of some other kids that need sponsored. And so I want to ask you just to pray about and consider whether you'd help us by sponsoring a child. Uh, but again, thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for giving us the opportunity uh, to share about this ministry that, I, that myself and my family have come to love over the years and we're excited to be a part of it. And so as I close, I just want to show you this. This video is from uh, the August trip that I was on. You may recognize a couple of faces on there. This was put together by one of our, our partner churches in the St. Louis area. And so as I close, just watch this. It kind of gives you a picture of what life is like there in Zambia.